If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful Arab Shabbos to all of you. Great to be with you again to talk about certain aspects of the Torah that are relevant to our lives, that can teach us something, bring us to a better level, to a higher level, making us understand ourselves, our involvement in the world, our relationship with each other, our relationship with God, somewhat clearer, somewhat easier. And this is what Torah talks to us about. Torah is there to teach us and so it does in every sense of the word. We're in the middle, not in the middle, the beginning of the month of um, Shvat. And as I mentioned last week, there are a number of days in Shvat which are days of great importance. Please God, this coming week we will commemorate the 10th of Shvat. The 10th of Shvat is the day that in 1950, the previous Lubavitcher, Rebbe Roy Joseph Isaac Schneerson of Sacred Memory, passed away. And it's on that day that we celebrate the leadership of our Rebbe of blessed memory. It's a special day, it's a special time, because it emphasizes what I talk about so often, the concept of leadership in its most ideal state. Leadership, of course, is not merely to be a figurehead, to lead in some sort of political or other size, otherwise way. Leadership is something which is all-encompassing. It somehow takes in every single dimension of those who are being led. It's not a shepherd who only leads his sheep through the grazing environment. It is a teacher. It's a elevator. It's someone who directs. It's someone who protects. Someone who guides. Someone who takes one to different and higher levels. And in our generation, we were blessed with the Rebbe as our leader for so many years. And please God, this coming Wednesday, the 10th of Shvat, we will be celebrating 70 years of his leadership. And while, of course, he physically is no longer with us, his influence, his directives, those that he actually turned into leaders as well, are very much here. I always quote what the former chief rabbi of Great Britain said, Jonathan Sachs, he spoke about the Rebbe and he said the Rebbe is a unique leader. Generally, a leader has followers. What the Rebbe did as a leader was to create leaders. And the Rebbe was very dedicated to that idea. Each and every single individual can be a leader in his or her own environment, a leader in so many different ways, the head of a family, the head of a community, to lead, to indicate by example and by word and by thought what in fact is demanded from each and every one of us. This is what the Rebbe was. The Rebbe looked at the world and he saw a world of incredible potential. We have to realize 1950 was not an easy time for the Jewish world. It was soon after the Holocaust. The scars, the pain, the horror was still very real in the lives and the hearts and the minds of so many people. I remember as a child growing up in Toronto, and almost everyone that I knew was a Holocaust survivor. So many people with that tattooed number on their fore, in their forearm. And it was difficult, difficult to know really what was going on. Very few people spoke about it, but it was an extremely painful time 
for the Jewish people, and that ever reached out, reached out and spoke about creating a better and new world. And while, of course, many people were too deeply scarred to actually respond immediately, that Ebba's vision of a world that would transform into an incredibly powerful, uplifting world of goodness and kindness was very much part of his vision. And it was a vision that he shared with us, not only shared with us, but involved us. It was a vision that he saw as a reality. And while, of course, most couldn't see it, most saw the 1950s as a time of the demise of authentic Torah Judaism and the growth of, well non-Torah Judaism, if one can use those terms. It was a time that people felt helpless and hopeless and saw a very dim future. That was their view. That Ebba, on the other hand, was a source of incredible inspiration and encouragement. And he began to speak to his own followers, to those that he turned into leaders, the many that he, re- that he turned into leaders, and he painted a picture of hope, a picture of a new world. He spoke about it in the very first Hasidic mimer, Hasidic essay that he said on the day, 1951 of Yitzvat, the 10th of Shvat, and it outlined what he hoped to achieve in this world. He hoped to achieve a world where everybody felt a sense of purpose, where everyone felt a sense of responsibility and greatness, where everyone felt that they had to, in their own way, contribute in a meaningful way, in whatever way they could, to bring about a better world. Teachers, parents, every single individual was encouraged to somehow do something and do something within the realm of leadership, no matter how simple it might appear and no matter how small it might appear. And Chabad grew and grew and grew. And we look at Chabad today, we are gobsmacked by the fact that it has grown to such a degree. Hardly any Jewish community of of a size doesn't have a Chabad presence and so many even of smaller dimension. I mention one story again because it's something I'm familiar with. It happened to my children in Beijing, as you well know. China's going through that terrible, terrible coronavirus. And it began in a city, one of the uh, capital um, cities of one of the provinces, a city of Wuhan. You know, compared to Beijing and Shanghai, we talk about the other cities and we think about them as small. This is a city of about 13 million people. And there was an American woman, a Jewish American woman with her daughter visiting the family in Wuhan. And Wuhan was suddenly closed down. This is where the virus began. Wuhan was closed down and no one came in. No one was allowed out. These people were extremely worried. And they turned to, well, the rabbi in Palo Alto, who was a Chabad rabbi, who contacted the Chabad Shluchim, happens to be my daughter and son-in-law in Beijing. And as a result of their connection with the Russian, with the Chinese authorities and the Americans, they were American citizens, they managed to get them out. An incredible miracle in itself. I just heard a podcast of that woman talking today. It actually brought tears to my eyes that they were rescued, saved, and brought back to America. And this is one small example. Last week, a Polish aircraft, Lot Aircraft, made an emergency landing just outside, well, 30 miles away from Reykjavik in Iceland. 
and there was a sizable Jewish group on that flight. And within hours, Chabad came and offered food and offered comfort and offered... This is what Chabad is, materially, spiritually, in every single way. This is what the Rebbe accomplished, not only geographically, but reaching out to all those who are far and distant through his many shluchim, through his many leaders. And this is what we commemorate, please God, this coming Wednesday. More of that soon. This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the idea of the purpose of leadership, and we're talking about the amazing, incredible accomplishments of the Rebbe in the seven decades since he became the leader of Chabad. And whenever we talk about leadership, we turn to the Parsha, this Parsha of Bo. And once again, who stands out as the leader? It's Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe Rabbeinu is the ideal leader whom we follow, we listen to, we understand, we try to question his actions in order for us to understand why, in fact, everything that he does is connected with the idea of leadership. In this Parsha Boom, we talk about the actual liberation of the Jewish people. One of the great things that Moses did, not only did he come to the Jewish people and bring them hope, bring them encouragement, bring them the awareness that they will be walking out of this cruel, cruel, brutal land as free people with great dignity and nobility. It actually happens in this Parsha. In this Parsha we find a number of things, a number of things, all of them point to the idea of freedom and liberation in the truest sense of the word. But of course is the Parsha where Mitzrayim, Pharaoh and his country are finally brought to their knees. Their cruel behavior has come to an end. They plead with the Jewish people to please leave the land and take whatever they need. This is an incredible miracle, not only liberation, but where the individuals who try to break the spirit of the Jewish people and destroy them physically, they stand up and they are the ones who call for the liberation of the Jewish people. It's an amazing story. And within the Parsha, actually in the fourth reading in Revi'i, as you know, Shabbos morning in Shul, we call up seven people. Each one has a portion. And the portion of the fourth day of Wednesday, Revi'i, talks to us about a number of things. It talks to us, on the one hand, about the whole idea of informing Pharaoh about the last, the tenth plague, the plague of the firstborn that ultimately breaks the negativity and evil of Egypt. The last plague which came about as a result of, well, following on nine, each one of them dismantling another dimension of the darkness and evil of Pharaoh and his people comes the tenth. And then we speak about the mitzvah of Hachodesh, the mitzvah of celebrating and blessing the new moon. And Moshe is told, in the land of Egypt by God, HaChodesh HaZelachem, he shows him in the sky this very thin sliver, this very thin crescent of the reappearing moon beginning the new month. And this, too, is a message of hope. It's a message of 
encouragement. It's a message that within the darkness lies the opportunity of light, and we have to look for it. And sometimes it appears only as this thin, thin line, but it develops and it grows, and it brings a sense of newness with it. The Chodesh, we've often spoken about the concept of the new month. The new month is something which happens again and again and again to tell us that although the cycle of life might be viewed in one particular sort of way, there are moments of darkness, but there are long moments of light as well. And this is told to the Jewish people prior to their leaving Egypt within the land of Egypt. In fact, HaChadosh is a very important, it's the very first mitzvah that was given to the Jewish people. And there was the opinion that, in fact, the entire Torah should begin with this mitzvah because, after all, this is the mitzvah, the first mitzvah given to the Jewish people. And Nonetheless, this HaChadosh HaZelachem becomes so important, this need to look for light within the darkness, to see beyond the immediate, and to see the hope, to see, well, the energy, the positive energy that is contained within. And then again, we speak about the Korban Pesach, the Paschal Sacrifice, the lamb that was eaten by the Jewish people, just before they left Egypt, this was the key, this was the moment, this was the activity that preceded the actual liberation leaving the land. And one would think, why would those who put the Parshiot in, in the particular order, men of incredible Torah greatness, why would they put these three important things into one Parsha? Wouldn't each one of these things, whether it's the tenth plague or the mitzvah of the new month or the story and the mitzvah of the Korban Pesach, the Paschal Sacrifice, wouldn't they deserve, each one of them deserve an entire Parsha for themselves? And yet we somehow put them together, we push them together into one Parsha, Rivi'i, the Wednesday Parsha. The answer, of course, is because of the incredible interrelationship between these three ideas. Although, yes, each one stands out in an incredibly important sort of way. Nonetheless, it's the combination of these three that gives it the strength and the purpose that is necessary in order for us to understand what true liberation is all about. It begins with the plague of the firstborn, the tenth plague. It begins with the final action that crushes the negativity of Pharaoh and his people. And this is something that we have to understand. While evil might appear to be very strong in this world, nonetheless, ultimately, it will be crushed. It will be removed. This is an important lesson for us to know, that while, in fact, we look around the world and we sometimes shudder at the amount of evil, evil behavior that exists in the world, whether individuals or nations, we often wonder, will it ever end? And the answer is yes, comes the tenth plague. And the purpose of the plague, as we've discussed often in the past, was not only negative in order to crush Pharaoh and his henchmen, but more than that, as God says right at the opening sentence of this week's Parsha in Bo, I am going to do this in order that he recognize, he and his people recognize my wonders, my miracles, my presence in the world. The purpose of the plagues was not only to crush the evil, but to ultimately inform 
Pharaoh, the nations of the world, and even the Jewish people at the time, that God intervenes in a very personal way within every single dimension of history, within every single dimension of our own lives. And while sometimes it's difficult to see it, nonetheless comes the tenth plague, comes the tenth plague of the firstborn, and that negativity is crushed. But there is still darkness. And this is why not only do we have to remove evil, we have to look for the positive. We have to look for light as well. And while sometimes evil might be crushed, but it's difficult to find the alternative, the goodness, the light, the energy, the hope, the encouragement, nonetheless, we have to search for it in whatever way we can. We look into the night sky and we look for that very thin sliver, that crescent of light which tells us the new month has appeared. This is something which is so important within our own personal development. It's not enough to reject negativity. Rejecting negativity is a great accomplishment. It's an amazing accomplishment. It's the tenth plague of the firstborn, but more so to search for the light within the darkness, to recognize that God's intervention is not only within certain dramatic moments of great plagues and the crushing of the evil people, it's also through our search for the divine light within the darkness of the world, it's there. We look and we will find We seek and we will be rewarded. And this is so important for us to understand that part of the whole purpose of liberation and freedom is the idea of not only removing the negative, but also to find the positive. And then we come to the third, the Korpen Pesach, the actual desire to leave the darkness and to go to a great and glorious liberation and freedmen freedom and connection with God and connection with God at Sinai. This is something which is so vital for us to understand. It's not enough to destroy the darkness, to destroy the evil. It's not enough even to find the light within the darkness. We have to have this passion, this desire, the excitement of doing something which will actually bring about the liberation, the moment of freedom in the full sense of the word. And this is something that each and every one of us has to strive for. It's not enough to have partial dimensions of greatness. Our passion has to be directed to a complete world that is better filled with divine goodness and kindness and filled with human beings who follow the will of God. And this is why these three incredible elements are brought together in one portion to tell us that each is contingent upon the other. Every day we have to do something which negates the strength and force of evil and negativity. Every moment we have to look for that sliver of light that's going to tell us divine energy is here, it's present, it's something that we can feel and see and experience. And at the same time, we have to have a 
passion for liberation and freedom to leave all the shackles and limitations of the world that somehow hold us back. We have to have the passion. And what is that passion? The passion is Korban Pesach. And the Korban Pesach, as our sages tell us, the Paschal sacrifice was an act of great Mercedes Nefesh, of great self-sacrifice. It was an act which displayed our tremendous commitment to live our lives in accordance to the will of God and to be proud of it, not to do it behind locked doors, not to do it in a way where nobody recognizes who and what we are, but to live our Jewishness, to live our Yiddishkeit openly and with much pride, to show ourselves, our families, our friends, our communities that we are proud of being Jewish. This is the last action that brings about the incredible moment and experience of true revelation. This is, makes Parsha Bo such an important Parsha. It not only speaks about the concept of freedom and destroying the negativity, it gives us clear directives of how to achieve something like that, of how to bring it into practicality, into purpose, of how to do something which demonstrates on so many different levels our commitment to that great idea of freedom, of Mashiach, of true liberation. It talks to us about destroying negativity. It talks to us about looking for that very, very thin sliver of light. It talks to us about having the self-sacrifice to demonstrate the pride that we possess in being Jewish in every sense of the word. More of that soon. This is the Pasha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the three-pronged method of bringing about, of experiencing true liberation, as I mentioned before, crushing negativity and evil, finding that spark of light even within the darkness, and of course, showing our devotion, our dedication to our Yiddishkeit, our Judaism, in a very proud and public way. And these three things come together in one portion to tell us how each one of those dimensions is vital in order to bring about the true liberation. But before we continue, a word from the marketplace. Pick and Pay Norwood Hyper have these pocket-saving sweet deals just for you. Pick and Pay Whole Barbecue Chicken. Only eighty nine ninety nine per kilo. Pick and pay kosher ram riblets at a very low one hundred and forty nine ninety nine per kilo. Pick and pay kosher beef burgers is just ninety nine ninety nine per kilo, and pick and pay kosher lean mints is only one oh nine ninety nine. Catch these and many more specials in store. These specials are exclusive to pick and pay Norwood Hyper, and only while stocks last. Pick and pay Hyper Norwood, the best place to shop when you want to buy a lot. We're talking, as I mentioned before, these three dimensions that bring about true liberation. And who embodied those three dimensions? Moshe Rabbeinu, in his own life, in his own personality, in his own execution of leadership, we see these three dimensions. As a young man going out to see what was happening in the land while he himself lived a relatively protected life, he sees an Egyptian trying to hurt a Jew. And boldly, with self-sacrifice, he negates the negativity of that brutal human being. He puts him to death. 
And this is something that we have to understand. Moshe is a man of greatness. Moshe is a man dedicated to the highest ideals. And yet when he encounters something which is so inherently wrong, he knows that this negativity must be destroyed. He shows us. He demonstrates by example what in fact is necessary. He is an individual who finds that light within the darkness. He sees the burning bush. He turns around. He wonders. He comes back and speaks to a people who are physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally destroyed by the brutality of the slavery in Egypt. And he talks to them about finding the light in the darkness, redemption, liberation, that they will march out as a proud and powerful people. And the people look at Moshe and they have difficulty in understanding what he's saying. Liberty, freedom, what is he talking about? This daily crushing activity of the slavery, of building these huge edifices for Pharaoh. This is our reality, and Moshe encourages them. Moshe inspires them. Moshe gives them hope. Moshe sends a message day by day, talking to all of them about the greatness that is yet to come, something that he sees and the others find great difficulty in seeing. And, of course, the idea of self-sacrifice, where he stands boldly before Pharaoh together with his brother Aaron and demands that Pharaoh release the Jewish people because so spoke God. He is a messenger from God himself. And while Pharaoh says, I don't know this God, he uses every type of excuse not to listen to Moshe. Moshe stands before him with absolute strength and says, unless you will let the Jewish people go, you will experience the most negative type of divine intervention, the story of the ten plagues. This is what we see not only as a concept, not only as idea, not only as a philosophy. This was the practical, the actual life of Moshe. And while we look at this and we're inspired by his incredible leadership, this is something that we learn to understand in our own lives as well, as I said earlier on in the show. When we look to the Lubavitcher Rebbe of sainted memory, we see this type of leadership as well. Coming at a time which was so difficult for the Jewish people, the Rebbe spoke about ultimately removing the negativity, the evil of the world. As I said, his first Hasidic essay that he shared with the people was based upon something which the previous Rebbe had written, based upon a passage in the Song of Songs, Batilachani Achotikala, that I return to the garden, that beautiful place, talking about the beautiful place that God originally created. This wasn't the jungle that God created. God created a magnificent garden of material and spiritual beauty. Unfortunately, as a result of the negative behavior of human beings over seven generations, over seven types of negative actions, this divinity was now invisible and the world became a dark place. And the Rebbe spoke about returning to that garden, making the world a beautiful place taking the negativity, the evil, and transforming it ultimately into something that's good. The Rebbe inspired a generation 
with incredible hope, finding that sliver of light, the Chodesh HaZelachem, speaking to people with encouragement. And while many didn't understand fully what the Rebbe was saying, the Rebbe was saying about seeing light within the darkness, and darkness is all that they experienced, whether the darkness of the Holocaust, whether the darkness of assimilation in countries like America and other places, whether the darkness of confusion that the world in the 50s had. The Rebbe spoke again and again and again about the idea of doing something that will enable you to see the light in the world. And they never spoke about self-sacrifice, of calling upon men and women, young and old, to go out into the world, into new and different and strange places, and share the message of hope, of encouragement, of faith, of freedom, of liberation of Mashiach with the entire world. And so began this incredible tidal wave of movement. It took years. It didn't happen overnight. But soon one after another, after another, after another, then tens and then hundreds and then thousands go into the world with tremendous self-sacrifice into new places, change their homes, change their places, and come to a world and share the message of what the Rebbe was talking about, the negation of negativity, finding light within the darkness, and living a life of pride, living a life of public, revealed dignity. This is who I am. To walk down major streets of the world to see young men putting tefillin onto others, calling to men and women wherever they are to light Shabbat candles at the appropriate time, calling to people to somehow change their lives through the observance of mitzvot and the study of Torah. This is the great public demonstration of the Korban Pesach idea, the Paschal Sacrifice. And this is why we celebrate this coming Wednesday the story of Yud Shvat, the 10th of Shvat. It's a day that we commemorate the passing of the previous Rebbe, and we celebrate the incredible inspiration and leadership that our Rebbe of blessed memory gave us. And if you want to do something on Sunday morning, the Sunday morning at the Capitol Hotel on the park in Catherine Street in Santon, there will be a special celebration at 9 o'clock in the morning, actually 8 o'clock in the morning with davening. And if you want to reserve, come along and be inspired. A wonderful international speaker, Rabbi Moshe Nu from Montreal, Canada. Call Chabad House at 011-440-6600. That's 011-440-6600 and make your reservation. And this is why this is a special Shabbos. It's a Shabbos that brings the story of Bo, of freedom, of witnessing the incredible liberation of the Jewish people, Yitziat Mitzrayim, the great celebration of freedom. And when you're in shul, think about it. And each reading, listen for the words. Try to understand the message for you. And when it comes to the fourth one, when it comes to the fourth aliyah, listen carefully to the three ideas that are presented so magnificently. Number one, destruction of Pharaoh through the tenth plague of the firstborn. Number two, the mitzvah of HaChodesh, the new month, seeing the glimmer, the glimmer of light within the incredible darkness. 
And number three, to see the Korban Pesach, the idea of self-sacrifice, the idea of tremendous public pride in the fullest sense of the word. It's a special Shabbos. It's a special Parsha. Use it well. Good Shabbos.